Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Explain This. I'm with the star of the show, Robin Riddle. Robin, are you ready for today? I don't know yet. We're going to see. Guys, this is going to be a very strong attempt. Uh, we're going to explain something that I think we've talked a lot about um, yeah. in passing. I know you talk a lot about it in office during yeah. your visits. Um, that's MTHFR. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and like pronounce that for me? <laughs> okay. So MTHFR stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. Okay. That's why we call it MTHFR because it's way easier to say. I'm going to stick with MTHFR. Uh, yeah. This is a topic that a lot of providers like to avoid or just brush over because it is a very deep rabbit hole that you can mm. go down if you really get into MTHFR. Are we going to go down the rabbit hole? A little bit. Okay. I'm going to try to keep it where people can still understand what I'm talking about. I don't want to get too far down into it, but okay. I want people to understand the um, the risks that go along with an MTHFR mutation. Okay. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So like I said, MTHFR, methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase we are talking about an enzyme whenever okay. we talk about MTHFR. Uh, this is a critical enzyme in the body that's responsible for many metabolic processes, DNA repair, methylation, um, hormone metabolism, detoxification of the body. Uh, the MTHFR uh, enzyme is required to convert folate or folic acid into, which is B9, into the active form, with the, which is L-methylfolate. Okay. You'll also see it written as 5-MTHF. Your body cannot use it until it's active. Okay. And is that with everything? Everything needs to be active? Or is this just like an MTHFR type thing? The MTHFR, the enzyme for MTHFR is very specific to okay. vitamin B9. Okay. Folate or folic acid. Okay. Um, we're trying to activate it. We're trying to make it into the active forms so that the body can actually use it. Okay. Then we have the MTHFR <clears throat> gene. The gene is responsible for providing the instructions for making the enzyme. That makes sense? Yep. So the gene triggers the production of the enzyme. Mutations on the MTHFR gene can cause disruptions in the process of producing the enzyme, which then can have negative health effects that we're going to get into. Okay. Have so I got you so about, far? It's all about <laughs> being able to produce this enzyme. Correct. Okay. And so the gene triggers the production of the enzyme. Okay. If you have an abnormality on the gene, it changes the way that your enzyme can work or how much of it you can have. Okay. Okay. I'm following. Are you guys okay. following? Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So first thing I want to dive into is what the mutations, the most common mutations can be. Okay. This is where I might lose you, so I'm going to try to keep it simple. <laughs> the two most commonly researched MTHFR genes are the C677C and the A1298A. Okay. That's when they're normal. That's what they're called. Um, there's different, a lot of different types of mutations that can occur, but those are the two most commonly researched ones. Okay. Okay. Those two. So those are the two that when people talk about MTHFR, those are typically the two that they're talking about. Okay. There's a lot of different mutations that can happen within these. So you, when it comes to genetics, first of all, let's back up a little bit. You get one copy of a gene from mom, one copy of a gene from dad. If your parents both have a mutation on both of their genes, their child is going to have some sort of mutation. If both of the parents have at least one normal gene, the child could also have 
completely normal activation on this. Okay. So it's all about what came from your parents. When we're looking at it, we're looking to see what two copies did you get. So people can be completely normal, again, which is the C677C, the A1298A. Or you can have what's called a heterozygous mutation, meaning one of the alleles is mutated. You can have a homozygous mutation, meaning there you have two mutated of the same one. Or you can have compound heterozygous, meaning you have both types, the A and the C, and both of them have mutated. And I'm assuming there's severity levels to there all of There are severity levels within all of those. Okay. Um, so a heterozygous C677 becomes C677T whenever it's mutated. So heterozygous C677T or heterozygous A1298C, not considered to be super problematic. You can have homozygous, which again is two mutations of the same one. Um, that's considered more severe. And then you can have the heterozygous compound, which is where you have one mutation on both. That's also considered to be more severe. And this is in the case of your, you have the MTHFR gene. Yes. So you have the gene because a lot of time, I mean, some people don't have the gene at all. You have the gene. Some people don't have the mutation on the gene. So that's the thing. Yeah. So we all have MTHFR. We all, have, we all have the gene because we all make the enzyme, but the mutation on the gene is where things become problematic. Interesting. Does that make so sense? So you're talking about the different types of mutations. Yes. So C677T is a mutated version of it. Okay. It should be C677C. And that's what you want? Is that's C- what you want. Okay. You want the letters to match on the front and the back. Interesting. Whenever they don't, that's a mutation. Okay. That may have gotten too deep. I'm sorry. But that's that's what you're going to see on your labs. That's how it comes across. Okay. Some of them will say heterozygous for blah, 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 homozygous for, or like our Cleveland panel will tell you exactly which ones. And anyways, we'll get to that. Um, so statistically, 60 to 70% of the population have at least one mutation on their MTHFR gene. Oh, wow. So it's very, very common. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple people come across with their Clevelands that have no mutations, which is awesome. Great. No big changes for them. But 60 to 70 percent of the population will have this. About 40 percent of the people that have it, it's going to be a heterozygous. So they will have one mutation, C677T or A1298C. One One mutation. And Mm -hmm. are those two different in severity? No. Heterozygous in general are considered to be pretty low severity. Okay. So having one's a good thing. Well, (laughs) having one is not as bad as having two. (laughs) Okay. Um, Up to 20% of the population is homozygous, meaning they have two variations on one type. Okay. So two variations on the C or two variations on the A that is considered to be more severe. Okay. Then only 2% of the population is compound heterozygous, meaning they have a mutation on both A and C. Okay. Okay. A little more rare. Yeah. Got it. A lot more rare. Um, Homozygous, again, homozygous or compound heterozygous are considered to be more severe than a single heterozygous mutation. give you more numbers heterozygous c677t which is considered not as severe about a 35 percent reduction in enzyme function homozygous on the c677t 
which now is called T677T because both ends are mutated, reduces enzyme function by 70%. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so huge jump. Um, heterozygous A1298C, only mild effects on enzyme function. Homozygous C, well, A, now C1298C, um, reduces enzyme function by about 40%. Okay. So you can see the levels of severity there. It is a lot more severe to have a homozygous mutation. So why does this matter? Well, and that's what I was thinking, because if I can dumb it down to me okay i'm thinking it's it's all about this particular enzyme function yeah and what you're talking about is okay when you have these different types of mutations how much of the enzyme function is maintained maintained or yeah. you know that sort of thing so now we're talking about, okay, what can we do to increase the function of this enzyme if we have the mutation? Right. Well, first, I want you to understand why it even matters. Okay. Because that yep. may be the question now. Like, okay, great. I've got a mutation in this enzyme. What does that enzyme even do for I me? I love that. Why That's exactly it, right. Why does it matter? So why it matters is the MTHFR is critical for breaking down a substance in the body called homocysteine. Homocysteine is a chemical that's in the blood that is formed when the amino acid methanine is broken down. We get methanine from dietary sources. It's what we're eating, meat, fish, dairy, things like that. So okay. we consume methanine, which is an amino acid. The body breaks it down into homocysteine. When everything's working well, the body is supposed to put MTHFR to that homocysteine and we're supposed to take that homocysteine and turn it back in to methanine. Okay. Methanine is really important. It helps us with detoxification, breakdown of hormones, um, producing antioxidants. Um, so again, during the breakdown process, homocysteine is supposed to be recycled, turned back into methanine again. This requires proper amounts of B12, um, B6, and B9 or folate. Okay. Okay. And, and I might be jumping ahead here, but... Because you hear a lot about homocysteine levels. Mm -hmm. If you have high homocysteine levels, does that mean you're not turning it back into methanine? Yes. It's building back up. Okay. okay. So it's a double whammy there because we've got high homocysteine, which we'll get into in a second as to what complications that causes. Okay. But then we also aren't getting enough methanine. And methanine is oh. really important in the body. Okay. So we're consuming it, but we're not getting that recycling effect of it that we need. Um, so methanine converts into a substance called SAMe, which SAMe is important for inflammation, supports the immune system, aids in neurotransmitter production. So with adequate methanine going into CME, we can end up with a lot more inflammation, anxiety, depression, things like that. Ah, yeah. So it kind of boils down to CME. As a trickle down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, part of it does. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's really complicated. I'm sorry. <laughs> so again, if we're deficient in those B vitamins, um, homocysteine is not going to be efficiently recycled. It accumulates in the blood. So yep. then what's the problem with that? elevated homocysteine levels. There are tons of medical complications that can come from high homocysteine levels. Increased risk for cardiovascular disease is number one. And that's one of the very recognized things that uh, a lot of providers will talk about. Some of the other things that I'm gonna get into, not everybody in the medical community really uh, attributes to MTHFR. 
Okay. Not everybody understands the importance of MTHFR in general. Um, so anyways, elevated homocysteine, which is called hyperhomocysteinemia, increased risk for cardiovascular disease. Okay. Increased risk for osteoporosis. And these are all homocysteine levels high? High homocysteine levels, yeah. Okay. Um, increased risk for atherosclerosis, which is buildup of fats and substances in the arterial walls. Um, increased risk for blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, um, dementia, Alzheimer's disease cancer, anxiety, depression. No no good things. No good things. Come from homocysteine. <laughs> Can I ask what is a high homocysteine level? Is there like a certain number that's like Anything high? Anything under 15 is considered within normal. Okay. Usually about 15 to 30 or 15 to 50, depending on what lab you're looking at, is considered to be an elevation. Okay. <clears throat> it can go a lot higher than that. Super super high levels only come with a condition um, called homocysteinuria, which we're not getting into today. Um, that's something that we don't see a lot. Um, I, I've got those, limitations in, in my <laughs> trying understanding. Trying to keep your brain taking this in. Um, okay. So again, biggest thing, cardiovascular risk factors, but we're risking the brain. We're risking a lot of things with running these high homocysteine levels. Okay. Um, so elevated homocysteine itself doesn't cause symptoms that you're going to notice. We can get symptoms with the B deficiency that's going along with that, though. So it's more of like a, a, a big risk factor. Right. Because you don't really feel cardiovascular disease coming on. Right. Okay. I'm with but you. you can feel symptoms with low B vitamins. So mm. dizziness, um, fatigue, muscle weakness, um, tingling like neuropathies mm. in the hands and feet, things like that can be symptoms of a B vitamin deficiency. So those are things that sometimes will bring people in. And if you dive deep enough and in the right direction, you'll come across this. And I'm trying to dumb it down for me. That means you're just not absorbing your B vitamins, whether you're getting them from your like meat, food, or even if you're getting it from B12 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so... Again, the big thing that we see with the hyperhomocysteinemia is going to be the disease processes that go along with it. Okay. And if you're not going to the right provider, they're never going to establish the link between the two. God. Yeah. <laughs> it has huge, like huge consequences. Huge, huge consequences. Yeah, goodness. Um, so then to add another aspect into it, um, MTHFR can complicate pregnancies as well. Mm. I always like to throw a little bit in there about how things can affect women in pregnancy. This is a really, really important one. Mm. Um, in my history as a labor and delivery nurse, I can tell you there was only a handful of times that I ever saw patients come across with their charts saying that they had MTHFR. We know 60 to 70% of the population actually has that MTHFR mutation. But in 10 years of delivering babies, I saw maybe five that had that noted on their chart. Really? Yes. And when we would see it, we're like, I don't even know how to pronounce that. What is that? We're just going to ignore that. <laughs> um, so it's something that's not looked at as often as I feel it should be mm. with the because of the implications it can have in pregnancy. So women with an MTHFR gene mutation are at higher risk for um, miscarriages, preeclampsia, and having a baby with neural tube defects like spina bifida and things mm. like that. And this is something that they always tell you when you're trying to get pregnant or you've gotten pregnant, hey, you need to be on folic acid. Well, as we've discussed, if you have a mutation in your MTHFR gene, you're not going to produce enough of the enzyme to convert, convert that folic acid appropriately. You're not going to get the benefits out of it. So taking folic acid 
could be like taking nothing. Um, your risks are going to be high. And again, it depends on where you fall on the spectrum, how many mutations you have. Um, but there is a high risk there. That's super interesting. Um, there's only been a couple of studies on MTHFR specifically in pregnancy because they don't research anything in pregnancy. Right. <laughs> but one study did, define, did find a two to three times higher risk of miscarriage um, with a homozygous mutation. Um, so what can we do about that? We, it, whether we know our MTHFR status or not, and instead of taking folate or folic acid, we can take the activated form of it, which is the one we talked about, that L-methylfolate. L-methylfolate mm -hmm. is the active form. Yeah. Okay. So if you are one of the lucky 30% that does not have any mutation on your MTHFR gene, doesn't hurt anything. But if you're with the rest of us that has a mutation, taking that L-methylfolate increases the likelihood that your body is using everything appropriately, decreases the likelihood of risks and complications in pregnancy. Got it. Okay. Yeah. L-methylfolate. Yeah. L-methylfolate. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. So. I, are, we, are we getting deeper? <laughs> no, no, we're done. What's the takeaway here? <laughs> That's enough for one day. Okay. Um, what's the takeaway here? First of all, know your levels. Know, know what your risks are. Okay. Um, our Cleveland Heart Panel is the absolute best way to know your risks because it's going to look at like everything. So we're going to get the genetic side of thing. It's going to give us our homocysteine levels, our folate levels, our B12 levels. We're going to get all of that within one lab panel. So Cleveland is the best way. Okay. Otherwise, we want to get blood work specifically for the MTHFR genes, folate, B12, and homocysteine. Say so that one more time. I missed that. So if we're not going to do a Cleveland okay. and we're doing just individual Got lab it. draws, Got we it. want to draw the MTHFR, folate, B12, and homocysteine. That's what's going to give us a picture of what's going on with this. Okay. Okay. Um, we can support through diet. So we want to increase our intake of folate-rich foods, natural folate. We do not want to intake things that are enriched with folic acid. Okay. Which okay. are? Cereals, pastas, um, some like, I mean, there's baby formulas that are enriched. Like anything that says enriched with B vitamins, it's going to have folic acid in it not a form that your body can use very well Interesting. when you have an MTHFR mutation. Yeah. And it says enriched? Enriched. Mm -hmm. Enriched. Yeah. Yeah. So we want a diet that is rich in dark leafy greens, um, legumes, broccoli, asparagus, avocado, eating more of an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, a lot of people with an MTHFR mutation will do better going gluten-free, low in grains, things like that. Mm. Um, and organic as much as possible. I always say that. <laughs> uh, again, avoiding foods that are fortified with folic acid. We can lower our homocysteine levels by taking the active form of folate, which again is that L-methylfolate. Okay. Taking B6, the active form of that is P5P. Um, we've talked about that one before in pregnancy because it actually helps reduce nausea in pregnancy too. So that's a great one. Um, the activated form of B12. There's two forms of B12. There is cyanocobalamin and methylcobalamin. 
If we don't know someone's MTHFR status, I always say methylcobalamin. Mm. Um, on the rare chance that you're, again, you're one of the 30% that doesn't have a mutation, you can handle cyanocobalamin. Anybody else, we need the methylcobalamin. Yeah. <clears throat> and you need to look at all sources that you're getting for this. They stick B vitamins in everything. If something says energy on it, they've put B vitamins in it and probably put cyano yeah. in it. Um, so lots of energy drinks, lots of vitamins, everything. Sino is the less expensive one. That's what they're going to stick in things. Mm. So depending on what mutation, what variation we have, it determines how serious we need to be about taking all of the artificial ones out of the out of the diet. Can you have high homocysteine levels and not have the MTHFR? I've not seen it. Okay. Because the, the reason they, they the homocysteine together. builds up is because the MTHFR enzyme is not there breaking it down appropriately. Interesting. Yeah. That's super fascinating. So yeah. you would want to watch. So if you're, if you see a, a positive MTHFR, either severity, yeah. you're going to look at the homocysteine levels yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, that's one of those modifiable things. Like we can't modify our genes, but we can modify the other things that we're doing that increase our risk for mm. elevating that homocysteine. All right, so Robin, boil this entire episode down to a 30-second <laughs> outro. <laughs> um, know your risks, know your genetics, take your supplements. I like it. Yeah. That's a great way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, rewatch this video. I'm going to have to rewatch this video. <laughs> I hope this helped y'all. Uh, we've talked a lot about MTHFR. Robin went deep explaining it, so send this to your friends. If you've ever heard MTHFR, or you have the gene or don't know if you have the gene, make sure you check that out. And the Cleveland Heart Panel, will, uh, in the description below, we'll do an explain this, or we'll put a link to the explain this episode on the Cleveland Heart Panel. Robin? Hey. <laughs> you explained we MTHFR. <laughs> Guys, thank you. As always, we'll see you all next time. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.